Welcome to Please Fix Things, a podcast where we analyze and reflect on the bizarre trends surrounding young adults today. Hi, I'm Raj Parekh. And I'm Sanchit Wadhawan. And we're just two young professionals who sleep in, don't diet, don't have a side hustle, and don't have travel recommendations for you. And we're doing totally okay. If you're like us and you feel drained by the fads, norms, and ideas defining our culture today, come join us as we try to make sense of the forces taking a toll on our well-being and give our take on how to fix them. Welcome to the part two of our series on MBA, and this is season two of Please Fix Things. Last time we heard from Jack, who is going through his MBA program, and today we're going to learn from some who finished his MBA program back in 2020. So if you haven't listened to part one, you know, go back and check that out first. Uh, We have some hot takes there and all the pain points, all the fun stuff. So go check that out first. Uh, But yeah, if you already have, thanks for being here and let's get to some. Here we go. So we have with here, here Sam Alekhani. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, would you like to just start this conversation with a quick introduction and, and your journey and where you've been so far? Most definitely. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm a SoCal born and bred, uh, grew up in uh, Laguna Beach and went to UC Irvine undergrad and went to law school after that at Penn and, and really was kind of on the track to just become a, a corporate lawyer. And uh, along the way, I really fell in love with uh, with real estate, particularly the business side of real estate. Uh, but it was kind of difficult to break in, um, just given my my legal background. Uh, so I decided to to go into management consulting. I was at McKinsey for about two years, uh, working in uh, a bunch of different verticals, a bunch of different industries, and uh, wanted to circle back uh, into real estate. So uh, I went to Stanford Business School, and uh, now I'm in a real estate private equity out here in New York. So we heard like, uh, you know, a lot of buzzwords in your introduction, some, including the word circle back. Uh, is that the MBA effect of Stanford? <laughs> that is, uh, I'd say that's a lot of the McKinsey effect, the MBA for sure. <laughs> uh, but a lot of the consulting effect that I sure you know a lot about. Definitely. So what were like, what was your you know, most important slash primary motivation to get the MBA apart from, you know, your interest and you want to rejuvenate like your real estate side of side of career? Apart from that, like, why were you motivated to go do the MBA? I mean, that was my big thing. I mean, so when I was mm-hmm. in law school and, and I really fell in love with real estate, I, I took a lot of classes over at uh, Wharton Business School uh, in real estate and just really enjoyed, uh, you know, a few things. One was kind of the, the camaraderie among MBAs. It was um, a lot more, uh, I'd say, uh, collegial and collaborative. And just the, the environment was, was something that I really enjoyed. So I always wanted to go back. Um, and, and always was thinking about doing the MBA. Now, for me, the main impetus was breaking into real estate. So I went into management consulting and, uh, you know, truth be told, you know, there, there definitely was an avenue to, to get into the business side of, of real estate, but it would have been quite difficult. So I decided to take the path of, of least resistance, which was to go to, to business school. And we can talk about kind of what the benefits are um, when you're kind of pivoting and, and why business school could be a good conduit to that. But that's kind of what I used business school for was somewhat of a, of a rebrand and a pivot 
so I could just easily kind of get into the real estate game from there. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely heard the word pivot a lot when we hear people talk about why they want to get an MBA or go to business school. Like, what were your peers' motivations? I'm just curious, you know, going to Stanford was was it like kind of a similar story with the the people you went to business school with where they also wanted to pivot their careers or did you see some interesting motivations there? Yeah, uh, I, I'd say um, three primary motivations and one that might be a little bit more particular to Stanford. One uh, was kind of just the traditional pivot. You know, you wanted to go into a different industry, uh, learn a different skill set, whatever the case may be, which is kind of the bucket I fell in. Uh, the second was uh, individuals who kind of wanted to supercharge their careers. Uh, and so, you know, maybe they, uh, they went to uh, an undergrad that is not, you know, that recognizable and they wanted kind of that, that Stanford name brand and they were going into an industry that kind of values the MBA. Uh, and so they kind of used it to stay on the same path, but just to kind of accelerate uh, the way that they were going. Third, I'd say, are, were people that just didn't need the MBA. I mean, they were doing great. They're going to come back to the same firm. They're going to be uh, in a similar level of seniority, but they just really wanted a two-year vacation and a two-year break. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, they, they took it for what it was and they really enjoyed themselves and, uh, you know, made a lot of great friends and picked up uh, some skills along the way. And then the, uh, the fourth, which is kind of, I think, primary to, or very, you know, particular to Stanford is uh, the individuals that, you know, were looking to, to either fundraise for a startup or, um, you know, really, really network with kind of the, the VCs. And there's really no better place to do that than Stanford. So th those are kind of the, the three main buckets and that, that ancillary category that, uh, that my peers fell in. Definitely. So, so you did an MBA when everything was in person, right? Like your, your networks were right there. You could, you know, just walk down the street somewhere in Mountain Valley or maybe probably on the five uh, and get to a VC yeah. firm and network and all that good stuff. But now, you know, most of it um, is online through Zoom. Which one would you prefer? You know, what do you think would be the drawbacks of this? And how would you look at someone who's done the MBA fully online? Oh, man. Yeah. So I, I think... I was actually thinking about this when we transitioned into uh, virtual classes. I was mm -hmm. thinking, man, if, this, if COVID hit when I was in law school, it wouldn't have been a big deal because that's really just studying out of a textbook. And, you know, there's really no kind of interpersonal uh, aspect to the program. And so you could get away with kind of Zoom with that. Now, with the MBA, I think most people, particularly at kind of the higher tier schools, they're going there for things that you can't get in the classroom, right? So they're going there for the network, the brand, the, the opportunities uh, with alums, and all of those are, are you know, somewhat abbreviated on Zoom. You just don't have that same interpersonal um, you know, benefit. So I think the value of, of an MBA is significantly hindered by, by just going fully virtual. Uh, and, and that's something that, that I had to deal with uh, the last quarter at Stanford. And, Unfortunately, uh, the, the class below, below me um, had to deal with that for quite some time, and, and they're still kind of dealing with that right now. I believe they're on a hybrid model. But uh, the value, I think, of the MBA definitely is hindered by, by kind of that virtual aspect. And uh, how would I view it? Um, look, if you, if you entered in, into the class of 20, or in, in 2019, class of 2021, you didn't know COVID was going to hit. So I think that's one thing. You know, I wouldn't recommend someone to go get an MBA 
if it's all virtual, because frankly, the stuff that, that you're going to learn in the classroom is not rocket science. You could learn it on your own with resources that you have. And, and believe me, you'd be uh, saving a lot of money. So <laughs> that's kind of my take on, on the, the whole virtual aspect of, of the MBA. Right. Saving all $200,000 of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saving all of that. Um, so kind of, you know, going off of what you're talking about in terms of learning and just for context for our listeners, can you talk a little bit about when you graduated from Stanford and, you know, what your concentration was with your MBA or the kind of topics you were most interested in learning while at Stanford? Sure. So I entered in 2018. I was part of the graduating class of 2020. Um, and I came in knowing that I wanted to do real estate. And frankly, Stanford, both in the business school and just university wide, they don't have a lot of uh, academic courses within real estate, but they do have kind of a prominent real estate alumni. So, you know, when I was there, I, I exhausted all the real estate classes. And, you know, there's one at the business school, there's uh, several at the law school and, uh, and several at the engineering school. So I've kind of focused on real estate even though Stanford Business School didn't have uh, particular majors. And I think that that's common among most business schools. I think Wharton is, is one of the outliers in that you have particular majors. So I focused on real estate. What were some of your assumptions walking into the MBA program, right? And, and which one of them's like held uh, true and which ones, uh, which ones fell flat? Yeah, so I think um, one of the assumptions that I had was Look, I mean, everyone's in a different point of their life and we're all going to, you know, come here and it's, it's going to be, you know, quite clicky in, in, a, in a class of, you know, 400 and, you know, you're going to develop some relationships, but it's all going to be, you know, pretty, um, pretty shallow and transactional and, and not really, uh, you know, something that's going to be enduring, mm -hmm. you know, long after business school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely relationships like that that you develop during business school. But, you know, I think the great thing about the MBA is it's probably the last time in, in someone's life that they could go through a collective experience with a group of people like that. You know, you have that in high school, you have that in college, you don't really get it again. I think just ha just the given where people are in their lives in their mid to late twenties, early thirties, they, they develop that really strong bond. So I think that that was one of the things that, I, I didn't realize coming in and I was, I was happy that that proved true. And I've built a lot of great lasting relationships that, you know, I'm going to hold throughout my life. I guess a, another assumption that, that I had that also held true was that, you know, I, I, I don't think I was going to learn much in the classroom. You know, this mm -hmm. wasn't something like, uh, you know, law school or, or medical school that, you know, is, is heavy on the academics. And that definitely proved to be true. I mean, you could, you make of it what, what you want. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you're just learning, you know, basic business skills, a lot of which is kind of rinse and repeat from, you know, what you've already learned if you're in consulting or, or you're in some sort of business role. Things that surprised me, I'd say kind of one was that friendship aspect. Mm -hmm. Second was how plans change. A lot of people came in wanting to do one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, halfway through, three quarters through, that totally flipped. And, and their, their motivation, you know, and their career aspirations totally changed. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's actually one of the great benefits uh, of an MBA is you have that time for kind of exploration and self-reflection. And that's what I'd say is kind of the, the last thing that, 
that I didn't expect out of an MBA program. And, and I don't think this is particular to Stanford, but given that, you know, you're, you're out of the workforce, you have a, little, a bit more time, kind of take a step back and, and really think about, you know, what you want out of life, both personally and professionally. Um, and, and you have that luxury with an MBA to kind of think about those things and, and kind of have somewhat of a clean slate coming out of it uh, and going into a particular industry or a particular role. What would you say are some cons of, of your MBA experience or things that you wish you could change? You know, one, one thing that I was surprised about was uh, just kind of the, the level of, of learning was, was less than, than what I anticipated in, in the classroom. And I think uh, some of that was just a, a function of Stanford itself. And, and that was fine because actually one of the reasons I chose Stanford is because if I wanted to go to business school, I didn't want to take that opportunity cost and spend it on something that I could learn just out of a textbook on my own, right? If I, if I was going to go there, I was going to go there for an experience that I could only get kind of with that program. And so Stanford is, is very heavy on kind of the experiential, the more soft skills, uh, kind of the more kind of networking and, and, and just general kind of management skills that I, I don't think I could have learned uh, in a textbook. So that was kind of, um, I, I knew I was, I was going to get that, but I was also surprised by the fact that I didn't get, uh, you know, the, the academic rigor that, that I was expecting. Another con, and this is just general across business schools, was of course COVID. I mean, COVID hit and Next thing you know, you know, classes are, you know, stop and I'm just in my room looking at a screen and, you know, trying to network, trying to uh, learn, trying to maintain relationships. And the value of an MBA is just significantly hindered at that point. Stanford and, and every other school out there, virtually every other school out there didn't offer any sort of relief, which, which I understand, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're a business, they're not the Red Cross. But if you think about it from a consumer standpoint, the value to go get an MBA is significantly hindered. So, uh, you know, they, they knew that they had us and that, you know, we weren't going to essentially drop out or, or leave, you know, three quarters of the way through. Um, but that was definitely a con that you kind of, you're paying kind of the, the same price for, for, you know, a quarter of the experience that you would have gotten. No, absolutely. That makes sense. You know, monetary costs are definitely something that's right in center on everyone's minds, especially when they see the hefty price tags, right, associated with an MBA degree. Um, the other part of that is the opportunity cost, right? Because you're kind of putting a hold on your career for two years. You know, you couldn't, could have gotten that promotion or that bump or, or, or whatever, or like a yeah. different pathway. Uh, how do you see that opportunity cost, right? And, you know, what are some of the pitfalls that people tend to fall into and, and what can we do to avoid them? Sure. So I, I definitely think money and the opportunity cost is something to be taken seriously and to consider. But one thing is, you know, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, meaning at the end of the day, you're not going to regret going to, to business school because you missed out on two years of earnings, right? Un unless, you, unless your whole life goal is, to maximize your earnings, but I think that that's just a very empty life. And I don't think most individuals would think that way um, if they actually sat down and, and thought about what they wanted out of life. But is that a consideration? Of course. 
you know, how, how do I think about it? How did my peers think about it? All of my peers, and, and this is just kind of so just some selection bias. If you're going to business school, you, you understand you're leaving money on the table, you're leaving opportunities on the table, but you're also developing a lot of different opportunities and pathways that you wouldn't have but for the MBA. If you want to stay on the same path, and the MBA isn't that much of a benefit, which, you know, it happens to, to be kind of a, a good cohort of my classmates, then it's just kind of what you value. Do you value kind of that experiential collective uh, experience over two years that you're never going to have again in, in your life? Or do you value just kind of working a bit and, and, you know, progressing in your career a little bit faster than, than taking that two year break. So uh, I, I think it, it, you really just need to have some self-reflection and figure out why you want to do the MBA and kind of the, the pieces will, will fall where they may. I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you just need to realize kind of what's important to you and uh, I, where the MBA kind of falls into that. Another aspect we want to address is uh, the, the perception that folks have, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, you might have seen that, right? Mm -hmm. They don't value uh, an MBA person. A lot of those folks, right, will just say, okay, people graduating from MBA program are profit maximizing like machines, right? And they have no idea about the social costs and the social consequences of their business right. decisions. Um, you know, going through your program, was there a part in your curriculum or sort of your informal learning where you were you know, you had the opportunity to discuss those social consequences. Yeah. And I, I'd say that's one of the things that Stanford is really strong at. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a function of one being in Silicon Valley and two, having a program, an MBA program that's really focused on the softer skills. Uh, I, I took a class on, on corporate governance and there was a very strong uh, ESG component, environmental, social and governance. Stanford did a great job training the students in terms of how to think about environmental, social, and governance issues and how, kind of how to, how to be stewards of that. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how the MBA is perceived, you know, it's funny because when I got the MBA um, and when I entered the program, I, uh, I, I didn't know that uh, some individuals, some industries didn't value the MBA and actually looked down upon it. You know, I was in consulting where, you know, an MBA was just right. kind of par for the course and uh, even after that, you know, I knew I wanted to go into real estate finance and an MBA is also commonplace there. But as I started talking to my friends, uh, you know, who are going into tech or, uh, you know, VC, uh, you know, more, you know, public policy or kind of more public facing roles. Mm -hmm. uh, to your point, you know, you really saw that MBA um, kind of being a, a detractor, kind of, um, mm -hmm. kind of hurting the individual more so than it helped. and. Uh, a lot of people that I know actually kind of conceal the fact that they have an MBA if, if they're in an industry uh, where that's the case, right? So they won't have it on their LinkedIn or they won't really um, tout it that, that, that highly. Yeah. And, and do you think the sort of tech or Silicon Valley, you know, backlash to the MBA is, is it, is it an MBA perception issue or at the base of it, do some of these guys have a point in terms of, you know, what they think of MBAs? I think they have a point. I think they have a point. I mean, you go to business school and, you know, it's, it's a business, right? I mean, you're, you're trying to get a master's in business administration. You're trying to maximize value, right? Maximize value for your shareholders. Mm -hmm. that's, that's your fiduciary duty. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of these VCs, I think, 
at the end of the day, they're, they're talking out of the both sides of their mouth, right? Because they want to maximize returns as well, mm-hmm. right? It's just that they kind of want to put forth a, a face that, you know, look, we're, we're more than that, right? We're, we're changing the world or whatever the case may be, which is an angle a lot of, of many VCs take. Um, mm-hmm. So do I think it's, it's a warranted concern? Of course, but I think that any business that is downplaying the value of an MBA just isn't, isn't being true to themselves because then at, at the end of the day, they wouldn't be a business. They wouldn't be a for-profit entity, right? Do they have a point? Of course, but there's nothing wrong with, with profit maximization, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing I'd say is, you know, at its core, business, it's not immoral, it's not moral, it's, it's amoral. It, at mm-hmm. its core, it's just trying to maximize value, regardless of what the, what the externalities are. Now, I think our job, right, is just as human beings in positions of power, in positions that actually we have an effect on the environment, our economy, and our society, is to regulate that. Right. So sometimes it, it, it may be in our best interest to, you know, take a hit in terms of maximizing value, but you're providing some so, sort of social good. So net net at the end of the day, uh, from a utilitarian standpoint, uh, you know, the society is better off. So that's kind of the, the delicate balance that I, that I think a lot of people at, at business school um, are thinking about. And kind of that's what you see with consumer behavior as well. I mean, you look at companies like, you know, Tom's, Warby Parker, Patagonia, like those are just some consumer brands that have a really strong kind of ESG angle. And, you know, they, they thrive off a consumer base that values that as well. At the end of the day, it could really help a business and help society as well. But at its core, um, you know, I, I think business is just an amoral endeavor. Really well said. Oh, Sanchez, go for it. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to kind of say the same thing. I mean, I, I've heard, you know, I, as an undergraduate business major, I kind of heard the, the phrase thrown around where instead of like just focusing on maximizing profits, there's more of an effort on businesses now to like try to build the world they want to live in, I think is a quote that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so going off on a slight tangent here, some, how deep does the rivalry slash hatred towards Harvard Business School flow in your wanes? <laughs> um actually uh, significantly less than than you'd think but it's funny because i think stereotypes really prove true uh-huh. and what i mean by that is you know i came to stanford and I, I i didn't really know kind of what a typical stanford mba looked like what a typical harvard mba looked like mm-hmm. and uh I, i'd say the the reputation among kind of business schools is that you know the Stanford people, they're, they're a lot more high level. They're not kind of in the weeds and so detail oriented. And, uh, you know, they, they might not be as rigorous. They may be more kind of big picture, um, kind of driving things at a higher level. Um, and I think that definitely proved out to be true. And you kind of saw that in, in the curriculum and um, in the people that were there. And that's actually something that, that I enjoyed and something that I value is kind of looking at things at a little bit more higher of a level. Um, and looking more broadly. Now, Harvard, on the other hand, way more rigorous in terms of academics. Uh, I'd say kind of way more um, analytical in terms of their, their course load and, and their training. I, I'd say a more kind of ag- aggressive type A, um, you know, but <laughs> at, at the end of the day, the, you know, th- those are just stereotypes. And I think that, you know, that's a, that's a very broad brush to, to paint. I know guys that 
you know, that graduated Harvard Business School that would totally fit in at Stanford and they're more the Stanford type and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I'd say that is kind of the, um, the split. Uh, but the rivalry like that, it's actually not, not that bad because I think, you know, a lot of Stanford people, they just stay in tech, they stay on the West coast, you know, the, the HBS guys are all, you know, in finance, more East coast based. So, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of interaction, uh, in terms of kind of industries and out there in, in the professional world. And I think, uh, so there's just a lot of mutual respect at the end of the day, but uh, two totally different experiences from what I've heard. Most definitely. And then uh, on, on another question, you know, you went to law school and you went to business school, which, uh, correct me if my assumptions are incorrect, you, you took the LSAT and the GMAT? Yes. All right. So how do we survive standardized testing? Because that's uh, not in my blood for sure. How do you survive standardized testing? Yeah, like hot takes and standardized testing. And, you know, does your GMAT score correlate to how great of a manager you are right now? (laughs) GMAT, no, and LSAT, no. Standardized (laughs) test is, it's one of the the biggest hustles in in the academic game. I'll tell you that, man. They just, they they bleed you dry. It's just a barrier to entry to to get into these schools. And does it provide some value uh, in terms of kind of weeding candidates out and evaluating them? Sure. But, uh, is there too much value placed on it? In my opinion, yeah. How did I get through these tests? I mean, look, Matt, I I struggled with the LSAT for quite some time. It was really difficult for me to, you know, perform well, and, and I finally did. And at the end of the day, you just need to, you know, give it your best effort and not worry too much about it. I mean, you you want to, you know, work hard, but you know, don't don't sweat it. And you know, at one point, I I was sweating it, particularly. Um, on the LSAT and it was at the point where you know I kind of let go and it didn't worry as much and just tried tried to focus on doing well without the significant pressure that I was putting on myself that that's kind of when I performed and that's just kind of a a life lesson and um, kind of a a mantra that I that I try to live by you know at the end of the day if uh, you know if 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 no one's uh, dying no one's in critical condition like what's uh, there's really nothing bad that, that can happen at the end of the day. So what you get a bad score, it's not the end of the world, right? Absolutely. No, definitely. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about if someone's trying to think about an MBA right now, right? Mostly it's mm-hmm. going to be virtual. Um, you know, hopefully by fall of 2022, it might, you know, return back to in-person or some hybrid model as, as you were pointing to, what are some of the considerations they should have and you know number one i think it's about the brand name game right so most most people fall into the trap of if i don't get into m7 i'm not really doing anything good with my life but there are only so many seats at m7s right so considering this branding game considering the investment um that it takes to you know get your mba degree like what are the considerations that people should should have from your perspective i'd say first really sit down and think about whether you need the MBA or whether you want the MBA. Okay. Um, you know, for me, did I need the MBA? No, I didn't need it. I, uh, I, I was a consultant as, as someone who's in consulting after several years, you've pretty much learned everything that you're going to learn in terms of the general business school curriculum. Mm-hmm. Did it make it easier for me to, to pivot into real estate? Of course it did. But for a lot of people who uh, you know, are, are really concerned about that opportunity cost and, and that, that two years. Um, think about whether you, you need the MBA or whether you want it. And I'd say someone who needs it is, is someone who maybe is, is not 
as familiar with business. Maybe they have a different sort of background. You know, we had, we had MDs that were in business school that, you know, want to start their own practice. We had people um, who were kind of in, in public policy prior and, and they just realized the, the value of influencing, um, you know, individuals via business. And so, you know, think about whether you want or need it. And I think after, mm-hmm. after that point, it really is just kind of weighing the, the pros and cons in terms of what your value set is, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're that person that's just trying to maximize value and is super career oriented, for a lot of people that are super career oriented, the MBA doesn't make sense, right? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're in, in a finance firm or you're in consulting, you're already on the track. Why would you take two years off and come back to, to where you were when you're two years out of the game, if your goal is just to, you know, maximize your, your career potential, right? For a lot of people, that doesn't make sense. But if you're the kind of person that's like, you know what? Okay, yeah, I'll be, you know, a half step, a quarter step behind in terms of my career progression. But, you know, I'm really going to value uh, kind of this, this experience and I'm not going to get it elsewhere. So I think you really need to think about what's important to you and how the MBA falls into that. I'd say most people, most people do not need an MBA. I didn't need it. Most people that I've interacted with don't need it. And I think as you go up in kind of the the business school rankings and the tiers, the higher up you go, those individuals need the MBA less and less. Because if you think about it, those are already very kind of high performing individuals in their career. I could probably get to where they want to without that branding because if they're getting into those schools then then they're already doing something right so is it kind of that m7 or or bust mentality uh i I don't think so i think you just need to to think about kind of what your values are and and why you're getting the mba if you're getting the mba strictly for brand then maybe it doesn't make sense if especially if you went to a great undergrad to to go to school that is uh you know not up to part of that but if you're someone who uh you know, either doesn't know um, kind of what they want to do and then they want to pivot or, you know, you don't have that business background, then it may make sense. So at the end of the day, it's kind of just thinking about what you want out of the program. Absolutely. That is, that is just amazing advice. Thank you for that, Tom. Really great to hear the perspective of, you know, needing an MBA versus wanting an MBA. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's critical. And it's interesting too, again, to hear from somebody who did go to like a tier one or whatever you want to call the highest echelon of business schools on on the perspective of that as well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy that uh, this conversation took place and I appreciate you guys bringing me on and hopefully it's helpful for your listeners to to get some insight about my experience um, and, and just really appreciate the opportunity, guys. Absolutely. You're more than welcome to come back on this podcast anytime. You can crash our Zoom room. Yes. (laughs) Looking forward to it. And that was Sam Alikani talking about his experience at Stanford um, and what he's doing now after his MBA. You know, this episode, Raj, I think was a little bit different from our normal ones. one way, because we got to hear actual perspectives on the topic that we're covering, as opposed to just sort of researching our opinions of it. Definitely. Now, what were your thoughts of the interviews that we heard? Yeah, I think the one part that stands out the most to me is when Sam talked about, you know, the difference between understanding whether you need an MBA or you want an MBA. 
and whether that would make some sense with respect to your career trajectory and where you want to go with it. So I think that was like the biggest highlight for me. And that's something that's, you know, going to be very valuable to me as I try to navigate this journey of picking and choosing MBA programs in the near future. No, I agree. And I think I want to, you know, draw back to a point that Jack made on our last episode, you know, talking about one of his motivations for an MBA was the actual education and learning part of it. Mm-hmm. And just kind of contrasting that with, you know, Sam's experience of the curriculum at Stanford, not necessarily being the number one benefit of the Stanford MBA experience. Right. Um, and I definitely think that that's something to think about with getting an MBA, right, which does make it so different from another degree is how academic focus do you want it to be versus how much do you want, you know, emphasis on those soft skills, those recruiting and that experiential part? Absolutely. I think it boils down to how much you're urging to go back and learn, right? New concepts, new ideas, new techniques. Overall, though, I feel like both of them agreed that, you know, their their money was worth it in one way or another. So that was an interesting perspective. But it's a big, you know, asterisk next next to it. Yeah, definitely. I think knowing why you want to get an MBA is, is one of the most critical parts too, right? Because it is, as Sam said, like very few people need an MBA, especially very few right. people who are going into the top tier of MBA schools. Really, I love when you said like the higher up you go in these tiers, you know, the less of a need there is for folks to get the MBA. That was, that was just beautiful. That was definitely, it was nice to hear him say it too, as, as somebody who is in one of the top tier MBA schools. So why do you want to do the MBA, Sanchez? Um, I, for me, a lot of it goes to kind of what Jack was saying around the career pivot and around just like sort of learning business on a, on a higher level. Right. I think I, as an undergraduate business major, I definitely learned like the inner mechanics of finance and accounting, but you know, I think the, one of the main things I'm most interested in is decision-making, right. Mm -hmm. Especially like managerial decision-making the way organizations make, am I, am I getting fired? Will I be fired? Um, not even about, will you be fired, but like, what skills should you have if you want to stick around? Like, what do we value as a business? What, you know, new products do we want to launch? Like, why do we Upskilling the talent force maybe? Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. those decisions, because that's really what shapes our society, right? I mean, we live in sort of a patchwork of organizations. Like that's a, that's a worldview that you could have, right? And if you read um, the book Sapiens, that all of this is still just a human myth- mythical construct. <laughs> oh, yeah. All business is a social construct. But understanding yeah. how these interact with each other, I think, is where I'm most interested in. I don't know. What do you want to get an MBA? Yeah, I think I really miss the learning component. Um, after listening to some, I think the component I miss a lot is that high level one, because my undergraduate was mostly technical, right? A lot of math, a lot of coding, you know, a lot of Didn't you spend uh, like a bunch of time deriving Black Shoals. Yes, we did. Because our professor was like, I'm not going to give you a calculator. You're going to derive this whole thing with Ito's lemma and this whole formula like by hand. And I was like, okay. Let's so you just need a palate cleanser degree to get out of the weeds of that is what it sounds like. Right. I needed anti-traumatic experience to set off my trauma. Um, so yeah, but no, no, really. Um, I think I would need a perspective on why folks make decisions, you know, why certain business decisions were made, right? I feel like I have very little insight into why, you know, companies have made decisions uh, in a variety of cases with a variety of constraints and, and yeah, move organizations forward. But also I really want to emphasize or at least learn on how to create a social footprint, right? With their business decisions. I feel like that's the most underrated aspect um, of our jobs right now, right? It's not part of any traditional framework and I want to learn how to make it uh, a part of one. 
Right. How do you build the world you want to live in effectively, right? Well, can't say it any better, Sanchit. So with that, thanks for uh, tuning in to our two-part episode uh, on the MBA. Uh, you know, if you have any comments, questions, feedback, if you like this format, you know where to find us. You know, slide into our DMs or send us an email at hosts at pleasefixthings.com. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Please Fix Things. I'm Raj Parekh. And I'm Sanchit Wathawan. If you liked what you heard, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Toss us on your Facebook feed, send this to your boss, or post this episode on your LinkedIn page and tag some people just to see what happens. We don't really care, just spread this around. You should also check out our website, pleasefixthanks.com, for all of our episodes and latest updates. If you want to tell us how we took the words right out of your mouth or have suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a note at hosts at pleasefixthanks.com. We hope to catch you next time. See ya. Thank you.